0: Well, good morning, my name is Kent Curry and I'm the director of kids ministry here at the church. And man, it's an honor to be with you. I just wanna give a big shout out to Pastor Steve who was nice enough to let me out of the nursery today to hang with the big people. So, great to be with you today. We're also excited about the new families. Can you believe that we're gonna be in the new section of the church by the end of the summer? Is that not amazing? more space, more opportunities to connect with each other, Uh, more classroom space, more adult classrooms, great opportunities to connect and to speak into each other's lives. Speaking of connection, uh, I was reading recently in the International Journal of Nursing Sciences that an article I found incredibly interesting, and it says this, Technological breakthroughs occur at an ever-increasing rate, thereby revolutionizing the healthcare industry. McKinsey Global Institute estimates that 800 million workers worldwide by the year 2030 could be replaced by robots. It went on to say that human nurses are being replaced by humanoid robots, and routine nursing care tasks would be performed by machines. Other technological advancements, such as robotic-assisted surgery, I got a little queasy thinking about that one, uh, may uh, one day replace surgeons and nurses in the operating rooms. This idea of companion robots would be designated to provide useful and socially acceptable assistance to people in need of special attention, like the elderly, children who have autism or disabled, Also automatons dispensing robots who would would take away the responsibility of nurses in medication administration. Interesting article, thinking about what our lives might be like in the next few years. So my first initial response was, how cool. Who wouldn't love some of these things automated for us? And then my, my mind started to wander, and I started to think about the things that I hate to do that I wouldn't mind having something automated do for me. So the first thing I thought about was mowing my lawn. Who here wouldn't like to have some automated thing mow their lawn, right? Then I thought more about uh, things like oh, feeding the dog, Wouldn't that be great? Or, um, you know, then I started to think about my children. Boy, wouldn't it be cool to have some automaton feed my child? You have to worry about that. Or even change a diaper. I'm in this stage where, you know, diapers, diapers, all the time. But the more I thought about it, the more it kind of hit me of how impersonal. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I really feel comfortable with some automated robot performing surgery on me. And I started to think about how these technological advancements continue to move us towards impersonal. Instead of meeting face to face, or even talking on the phone, try to get a teenager on the phone, right? Good luck. We have moved things to texting, or maybe even on Realm, we would send them a Realm message. But I was talking to a young person the other day who said they'd begun talking to a potential interest. And I pushed him a bit and said, well, what do, you, what do you mean when you guys are talking? Come to find out, it's just texting, they just text. And that's, they have a texting relationship. And we've reduced the heavy lifting of face-to-face connections and punted them to our phones, our computers, to the virtual world, and we're raising a generation that fails in their ability to look another person in the eyes and have a deep personal connection. And we wonder why, according to the American Psychology Association, that one in three millennials suffer from anxiety and depression. As a result, so many of these relationships that we have have come incredibly have become incredibly shallow. We make quick judgment calls on people, swiping right for like, swiping left for dislike. We put a value on things based on what's trending or how many likes someone's post has received. And we can hide behind our filters and evaluate others making two-dimensional judgment calls based on what we have seen about them online. And shallow can make us polite and provide a small amount of relief but over time, can leave us incredibly empty. I'm not here to vilify texting or the advancements in technologies, but just to make a point that at times we have replaced personal connection with another person to a virtual convenience. So I took a step back and I thought to myself, how, how do I do with my own relationships? Do I place a high value on personal face-to-face, is that something that should be important to me? Is that something that's important to God? Now, Upon looking in Scripture, I found countless of examples, and we see it, where Jesus got personal. Of course, we love to hear the stories where Jesus preached to the masses. We love the great sermons. Sermon on the Mount is, of course, probably one of many of our favorites. But as you drill down deeper in the Gospels, we see countless examples where Jesus stopped moved from the crowd to focus on the one. We know the story where Jesus gives the example of leaving the 99 to focus on the one, to find the one. And why? Because Jesus knew that the power was in the personal. And I wonder today in our society where we would put ourselves on that continuum Kristen Ivey and Reggie Joyner, who are, some of these, who are some of the big thinkers in strategic family ministry, gave this chart that I thought was really interesting. That shallow says, I want things fast, right? We want our Amazon order yesterday. Personal takes time. Shallow is safe, right? We, we want to keep the risk level low, keep everything say Personal, when we step into that, is risky we don't know what's gonna happen. Shallow is dismissive. You know what, if I don't understand it, I'm gonna move on, just, I don't understand it, it's somebody else's problem. Personal is interested. That's interesting how you came to that understanding. Tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me how I can understand where you came to that understanding. Shallow costs money. I'll write a check to that organization who could probably do it, but the buck stops there. I'm not going any farther. Personal costs me. And our gravitational pull always moves us towards shallow, and we can add followers, build platforms, teach him personal lessons, but at the end of the day, can leave us incredibly shallow and empty. Today we're gonna to be looking in the book of Luke at a man who Jesus stepped into his life. We've all probably heard, if you have a top five stories you've heard in, in the Bible, you will have heard of this guy's name. His name is Zacchaeus, and this is from the book of Luke, chapter 19. I threw this out to the first service, they all knew it, but if you were raised in any Sunday school, you might have heard Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, something that the kids learn But it's an incredibly important lesson that we can learn from where Jesus got personal. Let's look in Luke 19, verse one. It says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short and could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Just some first observations. We know that this guy was a tax collector. We know that they were reviled by the Jews in Jesus' day because they were perceived as greedy and collaborated with the Roman occupiers. This guy was not well-liked, probably marginalized by the people of Jericho, and certainly nobody was cutting this guy a break to get in the crowd as he's probably trying to move around, and people were like, not you, little man, Zacchaeus was not what society would deem as an attractive person. He was not popular or attractive. This guy was not the one in line to be the homecoming queen and we sure know he had no chance of making the basketball team. But we are naturally drawn to the lovely, to the wealthy, to the dynamic. But when it comes to getting personal, Jesus had a habit of seeing those who were invisible like Zacchaeus from the woman at the well to the outcast lepers to the, remember that woman living in sin who came to the pharisee's house where Jesus was reclining to wash his feet and with her hair he stopped from spending time with them to get personal with the outcast why because he honored those who were marginalized Especially when he stepped away from the masses, he found out like those people like Zacchaeus to say, hey, I see you. I, I, I I see value in you. I see the potential of what you could become. And when Jesus, verse five going on, when Jesus reached the spot, we know that he stops, and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus pauses in the midst of his busyness because he knew that powerful things happen when we allow ourselves to stop, to pause, to take time from our busy, important lives to really see people like Jesus does. When we do that, we're really able to be an impact. And I bet if you ask most people, how they're doing here at church, one of the top responses is, yeah, we're good. We're busy, right? We're all busy. And we move from one scheduled activity to the next, including church. We keep it light. We hope everybody's well. We keep it friendly. But Jesus moved from the crowds to the individual because he knew this to be true. When we stop to make it personal, life change happens. Doug Fields, who's another family ministry visionary, says this, you can impress crowds from a distance, but you influence people up close. Now, how did he do it? Jesus stepped in, into his personal space. We see it in verse five. He says, hey, I wanna stay at your house today. Going there, with someone, going there to someone's house is an intimate thing, and he was willing to go there with him. And I started to think more about us as a church and wonder, do we as a church go there with people? Now, our church has grown tremendously in the past few years and it's incredibly easy to get lost. Now, I love community groups, they are great, but what happens when that person in your community group suddenly stops coming? We may get together after a, while, a few weeks and say something like, hey, whatever happened to Jim? We haven't seen him in a while. Maybe, maybe someone should reach out to him, give, us, give him a call, then report back to us. Then we send a pod out from the mothership to go reach out to Jim, usually in some informal communication, and then only to report back to the mothership to give a full report. And if there's something going on, our first response is usually, someone better call Pastor Gaylord to do something. But maybe... Jim needed someone to do life with him. Maybe Jim needed someone to get messy, to walk with him, to disciple him. I love how Carol Chang puts it. She says, personal happens when we stop walking towards people and we start walking with them. It costs us something, it's not easy. This happens when we move from personal into discipleship and it's when we invite ourselves into someone else's personal life. You see, when we get personal, life change happens. Now in Zacchaeus' case, it happened quickly. Verse eight, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus's life was changed because Jesus got close enough and it happened quickly. What does this mean for us? It begins when we take a step back and evaluate ourselves to see where we rank on the scale personal versus an impersonal. The truth is, we will forget most orations or great sermons we hear, especially those that we didn't take notes, but we will remember those who sat across from us, who spoke into our lives, who discipled us, who made a difference. I'm sure if I came and asked each one of you, we probably could point to people who spoke into our lives, especially at those pivotal times. Where do we start? I guarantee that someone in your world is in some kind of pain. Find someone around you who will allow you to get close enough. Close enough where discipleship has the opportunity to happen. Maybe, maybe you're, you're new to this church, this is all kind of new, figuring out all the songs and the, and the teaching and the times and, and maybe you need a mentor in your life. I've heard it said that we, could all need, we all need a good Paul to Peter relationship, someone farther in their walk discipling us. A Paul to Barnabas, a fellow brother and sister in Christ and a Barnabas to Timothy, someone we can personally pour into. And it usually begins when we allow ourselves to be seen first. Seen people see people. When we get vulnerable and say, you know what? Hey, Lord, how can you use me? Jesus allowed himself to be seen, and there's great power when we are vulnerable. It's when we see others and we believe the potential in their lives to, make an, uh, to have a remar- live a remarkable story, when we're willing to get into the mess, to go there to help people to see Jesus. And you know what, we have all of these opportunities in very quiet ways, usually in very natural settings, It usually is in the surroundings that we're currently in. It's that couple that we haven't seen in a while at church and wonder how they're doing. I've heard they hit a rough patch in their marriage. Hey, but at least their Instagram looks great. Or it's that that kid we haven't seen in a while. Hey, I wonder what happened to that kid. Anybody seen him? He hasn't been around in a while or it's that 98-year-old elderly man who lives on your street that has shared that he's lonely. Oh wait, that's that's my street and it requires more of me than just a one-off service day. In my own life, my family and I had an opportunity to grow a few years ago. You see, for us as a church, we had Christmas time sponsor Uh, children through Angel Tree, and we partner with an organization called Prison Fellowship. Maybe you've heard of it, and what they do is they go on behalf of prisoners who are incarcerated, and they buy gifts for those children, bring them to the church, and then many of you have done this, and then we at the church distribute them to the kids on behalf of their incarcerated father, and so two Christmases ago, I was sent out to deliver to a location in Bridgeport, and I went with my eldest daughter, Katarina, and headed to the house of a 15-year-old girl who, of course, was pleased to receive this gift from Get Dad. She stood right next to us and she opened the gift real quick, and it was a purse, and she said, Thanks on behalf of my dad. And then there's that kind of awkward silence where you're like, Great, Lord bless you. And how how are you doing? How's your life? And we tried to kind of move beyond that awkwardness, and she looked down at my 40-year-old and said, you know what, I haven't seen my dad since I was your daughter's age. Oh, it's like somebody stabbed me in the heart. And I looked at the info that I had on her dad and saw that he was in jail for, for murder and would not be out until 2050. She went on to say that no one would take her to see him you see that her dad and mom's families were not in any agreeable terms and mom was in no way in a position to, to take her. And at that moment, I had a choice. Do I pack it up and be on my way? I've got other things to do. I did my part. Blessings to you. Hopefully your life will be encouraging and great. Or do I allow myself to lean in and see, just see how God could use me in this messy situation. Well, I found out that her dad was in a penitentiary, not far away from us, in Cheshire, and I wrote him a letter to see if maybe I could help to make this reunion happen. And after several months, he replied back to me and I was able to get on the visitation list in which I headed to Cheshire to meet dad, just to make sure this was a good situation for this, this young lady. He was incredibly appreciative that someone would possibly take the time to bring his daughter to see him. And I came home like super excited, right? Maybe we can make this happen. Maybe this is like gonna be one of those Hollywood moments where she's going across, she's opening her arms, the music is playing, and dad is coming. But it doesn't always work like a Hollywood story. Real life is messy. And after several phone calls, voicemails, and texts, I received no response from the house she was living in it was over. I did my best, but it looks like it's, it was not gonna happen. Another year goes by to this past Christmas, and sure enough, dad wanted to send another gift to his daughter through prison fellowship. And I'm off again to deliver the gift to this young lady, and with my daughter in tow, we headed to the apartment to visit the family, hopefully trying to get some understanding of what happened last year, why, why nobody responded. Mom was there and explained that she didn't live there anymore. I guess the Department of Children and Families had removed her from the home. She did say, however, that she was working at a restaurant on Main Street and that, you know, it was not far away from my house, that I might be able to catch her there. So a few weeks later, we swung by the restaurant and there she was, working at that front counter. And we invited her over to dinner. I thought, hey, this shouldn't be hard. I had no idea the hoops you have to go through, through DCF, over many uh, background checks and uh, uh, we had an interview from them as well as uh, receiving mom's permission and the foster family's house that she had been in. It was messy, but we had the opportunity to, to have her over this spring. And over many times at our house, many face-to-face interactions, God has allowed us to speak life into this young girl's life. And with care and concern about the decisions that she makes as a very vulnerable young teenager, she's allowed us to, to partner with her, to come alongside her. She doesn't like all the things that we have to say. It's messy, but it's personal. She's allowed us to bring her to church. And guess what? She's with us in church today. It's so cool. But you know what? It's, it started by me going out on a limb, for us going out on a limb into those uncomfortable spaces to make a difference. I've heard it said well that at the end of our lives, all that's left are relationships. And I pray for you that God would give each one of us those opportunities to be used. So my question to you is, who's God putting in your paths? Maybe it's someone near you that may be hurting. Maybe it's a coworker that you've been praying for an opportunity to share Jesus with. The church needs more leaders who will be willing to step into kids' and youth's personal space because many of them feel ignored. Many wonder if any of them will see them. Maybe you don't think you have that much to offer, but could be used by an incredible God to make an incredible impact in a kid or youth's life. Who's someone that you can get close to to communicate value. And maybe you're new in the faith, Maybe there's a, a someone, a mentor. Maybe there's someone from Dads of the Rock or Moms of the Rock, who are filled, which are filled with men and women, looking, anxious, eager to disciple. When you allow yourself to get close enough for, to others, God can use us in more powerful ways than you ever thought or imagined. But you know what? It started when God got into our messy situations, right? we're gonna have a time of communion. And we're gonna take some time to reflect on how God stepped into our messiness. How God got personal with us. And as we take the bread and the cup, use this time to reflect on God's personal investment in us. And I do pray that maybe God would present someone in your life that you could make an impact. We wanna thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have Uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.